Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that this message encourages you today. For additional resources to learn about what it looks like to be fully alive with Jesus, visit our website at plainfieldchristian.com. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. And you guys look good when the lights come on. Um, man, it is good to be here with you this morning. My name is Eric Carter. I serve as one of the ministers here. Uh, and this man, it's been a fun, it's been a fun kind of journey through the Lord's Prayer. If you've been here with us over the last few weeks, we've been in this series we're calling Teach Us to Pray, where the disciples get a chance to ask Jesus a question, and what they say is, I mean, just teach us to pray like you pray. And so we've had different habits that we've practiced throughout this series. And I hope during that time, it's got a chance to draw your heart closer to God. And you've had some new, maybe some experiences during your week. If you're new with us here and you're trying to figure out, man, what does it look like for me, for me to take that next step of faith? What does it look like for me to get more involved into the life of the church? We have a program coming up called Rooted. It starts next week. And here's what Rooted is. Rooted is a 10-week series to where you'll get with a group of people, go through this book together. It's a pretty high calling, but man, it's worth it. How many of you have gone through Rooted who've been in here so far? Yeah, so look at somebody with their hand raised, ask them what they think. It is so, so good, and it's been a really good chance for our church to be on the same page to dive in to groups. So, If you are looking to do this and you have not done Rooted yet, there's kind of two ways you can get signed up. We have a welcome desk out in the lobby. You can go out there after service and somebody there will help you. Or if you're tech savvy, on the back of your chair there's a QR code. That's not to a menu where somebody comes down. That is your information for how to do things here in the life of Plainfield Christian. There'll be something that says join a group, click that, go down to Rooted, and that'll give you a chance to get signed up for next week as we start that. I don't know if you have used this phrase or heard this phrase before, but you'll be talking and all of a sudden life will come up and you'll get this term, but then. Like life might be going really good and there's really kind of no two scarier words than life than, but then. So life could be going well, everything's going awesome, but then tragedy strikes. You're getting ready for work in the morning, you're running late, you grab your coffee, you slap on some shoes, you grab your laptop, you get to the car, you push the button, but then nothing happens. That happened to me this morning. Um, Man, just life can change so quickly and we're always trying to say, what's next? When something changes, but then what? When I was in high school, our, uh, our youth group in the summer took a trip to the Smoky Mountains. We got a cabin and we did whatever youth groups do on trips like this. We uh, sang songs, ate a lot of food, threw the football, played cards. But the highlight of the trip is we were gonna take 20 15 to 17 year olds whitewater rafting. Exactly. Now, this is in the late 90s. In, the, in 1996, the city of Atlanta held the Summer Olympics. Now, one of, the, one of the sports that wasn't too highly televised at the time is they had the sport of kayaking. Now, what, there are people who had spent their entire life practicing kayaking. Now, there's not good rivers in the city of Atlanta, so they went over to this river called the Ocoee in, uh, in Tennessee, and this was the river that they were going to perform their kayaking on. This happened to also be the river our youth minister thought would be perfect for us to go on. So we have Olympians, they spend their whole life, 
and then you have us who we're gonna go on the same river. So we get there, we drive our bus up, there's this little uh, little uh, kind of cabin where we go up and we sign this paper saying, if you die, you will not you know, be mad at us. So we go do this, they hand us a helmet, a life jacket, and then a paddle. Now. What they said after we got paddles, I don't remember, because we're just hitting each other the whole time. But they tell us two things I remember. Is, if you fall in, definitely do not try to stand up. You will get your feet caught, and then you will die. A lot of, uh, a lot of you will die language going on. <laughs> the next one is hold on to the end of the handle. If you let go of it, you'll hit your neighbor in the face, and it'll knock its teeth out. So, we get going, and we're going to this place, and at the very top, there's this little retention pond. I had my friends Bryce, Nate, John, we're all in the same boat together. I'm sitting up top. In 96, I told you about the Olympics, right? Really practice. Okay, so they give us five minutes to learn how to move this raft. So it was like, paddle forward, paddle backwards. Okay, you guys got it. Let's get going. Uh, they also say, like, here's how you stay in. You know, wedge your feet. Now lean back. As we did this, my friend John fell in, in the practice area. So we get him, pull him back in. I wish I was making any of this up. So we grab our raft, and we're going down to the, to the place where we put in. It's scary looking. Um, we're all kind of tough, you know, and feel like we're really, so I get in the front of the boat, we go in. Each of these rapids is named. This one's called Grumpy, and I think it's aptly named. So we get in, we start paddling, we make it through the first part, and then the boat goes down, the front comes up, and I get launched. I'm in the water, and I just feel water rushing over my face. I'm disoriented as I'll get out. Now maybe, you came in here today, and that's how you feel right now. Your life's been going pretty well. Everything's been kind of fun. But something happened, and you went to a direction you didn't know. And everything's going well, but then life just starts coming, and water starts pouring over your head, and you have no clue where you are. We're gonna, we've been in the Lord's Prayer, and it's been our practice to say this together. So if you would, repeat this with me this morning. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. My fault. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today we're focusing on the very last line of the prayer, which is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, Jesus even here is kind of setting up this prayer that it has a directional sense to it. He's saying, lead us not over here where temptation will come, but God, we need, to, we need delivered from evil. Uh, if you walked in through the front doors this morning, you saw across the bulkhead this sign that says, fully alive. We believe Jesus' call on our life is for us to be fully alive with Jesus. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is saying, here's how you pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Temptation is exactly where the thief would love to lead us down that path. Just a little lie of a truth, or truth turned into a lie trying to get us to walk down this way. But Jesus has said, that is not what I have for you life. I've come that you may have life to the full. So what does it look like? I want you to even picture yourself out on a walk. 
It's a little cold, but it's sunny. We can do it. And you're walking down a trail. And if you've ever been on a hike before, there usually comes to a place where you kind of have to stop and go, okay, do we go right here? Do we go left here? And very rarely are those signs marked with any kind of language that we can read. And man, life is like that so often. I don't know if you've even felt that. You're like, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we start to look in these these trails in life and these decisions that we have, both trails look the same. And unlike the great theologian Yogi Berra who says when you come to a fork in the road, take it, that's terrible theological advice for our life. That when we come to this place in our life that we have to say, which way do we go? It's impossible for us to know just on our own. And our guesses are so wrong. And I don't know if you're like me ever, but you try to look for signs of how we should go. Different cosmic plans that the, you know, if I, Lord, if I see a star here, Lord, if you give me this, Lord, you ever done that before? Like, then I'll know this is the way we're supposed to go. But signs can be confusing. Um, when I was between my fifth and sixth grade year and, and uh, elementary, I got to go out to Los Angeles to visit my aunt and uncle. My parents drove me to St. Louis, put me on a plane by myself. Thanks, mom and dad, really smart. As a guy with two sixth graders, it's crazy. Um, But I go out there, and I had a Walkman with a tape in it. I had my Game Boy with me. I had one of those cameras. uh, You guys look old enough to know. uh, The disposable, where you wind it, and you don't know if you took a picture of your finger or a mountain until a week later. You get it developed. You get your pictures back. Um, so I'm out in California, and I did all sorts of fun stuff. I got to go to Universal. I got to watch a TV show, like the score be done. I went to a baseball game, played a lot of golf. And I'm walking one day with my uncle, and he goes, hey, go over there and get your picture taken by this sign. There was this green sign that had some words on it and some numbers, and I didn't really know what it was, but that's me. Like, pretty, pretty good outfit, right? Like, I don't... I don't know who allowed me to leave the house in that, but kudos. Um, but I didn't really know why. I don't know if this is a Los Angeles thing or not. Thank you for mom for finding this picture this week. And so I go stand by this sign and get my picture taken. And then the week goes on, we have fun. And my uncle's driving me back to the airport and he asked me this one question. He goes, is there anything that you wanted to see or do when you're out here that you didn't get a chance to? I think the polite answer to this is no, it was awesome, but that's not the answer I gave. Um, I go, man, I really wanted to see, you know that Hollywood sign you see in the back? It's kind of ubiquitous with California and all this kind of stuff. I really wanted to see it. And he goes, well, I think we saw it, didn't we? And I go, no, we didn't see it. Um, so I get home. I go, I get my pictures developed, and I start looking through the pictures, and I see this. <laughs> man, do you, it's, I wish I made up that story. I'm not smart. I, like... This is what life feels like so time. If life feels like an interstate where there's just signs pointing in all directions and we don't know how to do it. So when Jesus says to us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, how do we know the difference between the two? It's kind of interesting that Jesus would say, lead us not into temptation. Is that something that God would lead us into? You know, the New Testament tells us to pray for all sorts of things. There's a list. I'm just looking at a few things the New Testament tells us to pray for you, uh, pray about, and here's a few of them. 
It says, pray for spirit of wisdom, for strength from the might of God, to know his love, for knowledge of his will, for discernment, unity in the church, for missionaries, to send workers into the harvest field, to pray for the advancement of the gospel, for miracles, for wisdom, for faith, for boldness to share the gospel, for God to save unbelievers, and for us to pray for one another. But did God ever say, other than this one thing, pray to not lead us into temptation? This is a really tricky thing to wonder about. Like, why would he say this? Does God lead into temptation? Would God lead his children into temptation? Uh, James talks about this in James 1, verse 2. We get this, we get this uh, uh, truth from James. Consider it pure joy. Say joy. 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 Consider it pure joy. Happiness, the best emotion. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind because we know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Here James is saying, man, when you face trials of many kinds, consider it pure joy. Some of your Bibles will say, uh, lead us not into testing or trials, but deliver us from evil. So we know here that James is saying, when you come to these times of testing, this is the gem of faith that God is going to do to grow your character. That if you hold strong, if you persevere through this time, God's gonna grow you. How much so? He says to be complete, lacking nothing. Even when you go down to verse 12, it'll say this. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. For after having stood the test, that person will receive the crown that the Lord has promised to him. But what about temptation? Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted, listen to this, when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. There's two Old Testament characters that give us a little bit of a picture into this. Some of you know the story of a guy named Job. Had everything and lost it. His land his cattle, his children, lost it all. And later in that first chapter, Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will leave this world. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And that's what we see the whole story of Job, is things taken away from him, him giving bad, getting bad advice, and yet holding on to God so tightly during that whole story. The next we have the story of David. King David, and last year we went through this story. And there gets to the end of his, uh, of his narrative, and we hear this line. It says, in the springtime when kings went off to war, David stayed home. And in the very next line, he's enticed by temptation and sin. Whether he was bored, busy, or who knows what, David, when he was supposed to do something else, a man after God's own heart, he simply was enticed away by his own desire to do what he wanted to do. Job lost it all, and yet held on to God. David had it all and went on his own. Job got bad advice over and over again about to curse God and die, all these things, yet he held on to the truth of who God was. And David knew the truth oh so well, and yet decided to go his own way. The difference between testing and temptation is testing is the way in which God wants to grow us in the midst. That the tension that we feel is God holding on to us in those moments. And temptation is when we simply say, God, we have this. We can do it on our own. I worked at a church called Plainfield Christian Church before I worked here in Michigan. 
I know, I don't know how to explain it, it's just the same name. And um, there was one day, it was a really windy day, and I had a college kid who was hanging out at the church, and we decided we wanted to go fly a kite. I don't know if we just saw Mary Poppins or whatever, but we said, this is a good day to fly a kite. So there was a uh, dollar store down the road a little bit. We went and got the most expensive kite they had, and we came back. And it was like a really, one of those fun days to where you don't have to try very hard. You just throw it up, and it goes, you know what I mean? And so we're doing this, and we're just like, it's just whipping, like, right? So we get to the end of the string. We're holding on, and the kite is just, like, pulling hard. Um, it's at this moment that we want it to go higher. It's like not high enough, you know? Um, so we're trying to figure out what to do. And so we're holding on to this thing. For those of you who know me, this will make sense. But if you don't, I'm not very smart. So here, here's, what we, here's how it goes. We're holding on to this thing. I want to see how high it will go. So my brain goes, let's just, let's just sacrifice it. We'll let go and just let it soar off into the atmosphere. Maybe it'll make it to the moon, how do we know? So I'm holding on, it's pulling. I know, you guys are smarter than me. Like, I'm holding on, it's pulling, I let it go, what's it do? It just crashes to the ground. Man, so often in life, we have these times where we feel like it's just pulling, and it's just this testing from God, and all of this stuff going on, and what I'm telling you is God's holding on to you in those moments. He's growing you in your character. He's allowing you to soar higher. He's allowing you to simply say, if the character of the person of God is what I'm trying to get into my life, then when I hold on to God, he's growing me in that. But man, there's this false lie that we get that if we think we can do it on our own and we know the better way, then we let go and we simply say, God, I have this, is when we come crashing to the ground. Sin always works that way. It's when I believe I know what's best. So we get to this prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Testing is what God uses to grow us. Temptation is us trying it on our own. So why on earth would Jesus say, lead us not to temptation? We believe that the Bible is holy and authoritative, so this is here for a reason. Let's figure out what it is. Let's see, how does this prayer work, and what does it do? What does it do? The first thing is this. It's an invitation. This prayer is an invitation. See, the first word in this prayer is lead. Is that simply giving up our agency and saying, God, I know, I think I know which way I want to go, but unless you come and lead, there's no way for me to know which path I'm supposed to walk down. The first word of this prayer isn't advise. Advise me out of temptation, but lead, deliver me. No, it's not uh, give tips. No, it's lead. There's times that we have this Jesus is my co-pilot, you remember that silly sticker, uh, kind of mentality of life that we know how life should go. And man, most days are the same, aren't they? Over and over again, groundhogs, just the same thing over and over. And we really don't need God in days like that. That we just simply set him over here and say, we have this, and it's only when we come up to some terrain that we haven't seen before that we go, hey, where's the turn here? But boy, how foolish is that? Of course we need God every day. It's an invitation to say, God, there's no part of my life that you're not involved in. There's no part of my day that I'm not inviting you into. Um, why do we ask the Spirit to lead? This, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is split up into kind of three sections. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then we get this redemptive work of Jesus. Through your kingdom come, your will be done. In this very last line, we have the work of the Spirit. Where it says, lead us not to temptation. In John 16, Jesus says this about the Spirit. 
says, I have much more to say to you, more than, you can hand, uh, more than now you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. This is the role of the spirit, that he will tell us, he will guide us, he will tell us what is yet to come. The spirit leads into all truth. So if truth is my destination, then I'm unable to get there on my own. I have to have the spirit. So I say, lead me not into temptation. God, you are the one who has to lead. My wife, Marion and I discovered this last year that there's a way on your phone to share your calendars. Married couples, you ever done this? Life-changing. We were always saying like, hey, who's doing this? Who's picking this kid up? And we were a mess. Now, She's adding things into the calendar, mainly her, all the time, and I'll look and I'll see like, okay, I have a kid staying up for school today, you'll pick it up. Okay, it's Saturday, who has a haircut? It's not me. Like, like we know, I know, we know how our day is going to work. Paul says in Galatians 5, that since we live by the Spirit, we must keep in step with the Spirit. I love that imagery of keeping in step. I'm not a dancer, but you, you kind of get this idea that as the Spirit moves, we have to move along. It's not ahead of the Spirit. It's not running ahead. It's not dragging behind. But man, it's right in step with the Spirit. If I want to know what it means to stay in step with the Spirit, it's simply this. I ask the question, what part of your day do you think God is uninterested in? Do you think he cares what you did before you came to church? Does he care what you do tonight during the, like a foot, there's a football game, during a football game tonight? I like the jerseys I see. Not very many San Francisco. Um, Does God care about any of that? I think the answer is yes. And if the answer is yes, then I can simply say, God, you are invited into every part of my day so I can say, I want you to lead. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, rejoice always, pray continually. I never knew what that word pray continually, that phrase pray continually meant, it seemed a little outdated, like how are you supposed to walk around praying? But he's simply saying, no, no, no. If I want to be led by the Spirit, God has invitation into all of my life. I'm curious this morning if there's areas you simply just don't think God cares about. We pray this prayer, lead us not into temptation. God, you're in charge of leading. Second's this, it's about transformation. Prayer's about transformation. Prayer's the mechanism that God uses to transform our flesh into the life of the Spirit. I'd said earlier that we really don't see this phrase very often, lead us not to temptation, but we see it once when it has to do with prayer. It's the night of Jesus' arrest. It's kind of a long, uh, this kind of a long passage, but uh, bear with me as I read it. Then Jesus went to his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. We'll get back to this, but this is a point of just the lowest part of Jesus' humanity, of overwhelmed with sorrow, of the death that is coming his way that he knows the next day. Next. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, May this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? 
Yes, Peter? Here's where we get the phrase. Watch and pray so you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We feel that, don't we? That the, that the flesh is weak. Jesus, even in this moment, is saying, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. So when we pray, we're simply saying, God, I need you to replace this fleshly desires, this desire to give up, this desire to quit, this desire just to just have entropy take place and go down to this road that I don't want to take on this path that leads to sin and destruction. I have to have that transformed with your spirit's power. You notice when the disciples fall asleep is when Jesus leaves? If we think that we have the ability to live the life that God has called us to and we are not right next to Jesus, we fool ourselves. Prayer transforms us. The last one is this. It's about our salvation. Even as I open up my life and I simply say, God, you have entree into every single part of my calendar, and even as I pray and I'm close to Jesus and I'm transformed, I'm still a beggar at the feet of Jesus. I still have no way of making this on my own. I forgot to finish the story uh, when I was whitewater rafting, so um, I, I get tossed out of the boat and I'm listening to the instruct. I remember now, right, it, it got real. So I'm on my back, my feet are forward, and I'm, I'm going down the river, and I start to finally get my bearings of where I, where I am, and I look over to the boat. It's at that moment that I don't look at Bryce, or Nate, or John, or any of those people. I forgot to tell you, we have a guide on the boat who's done this, who's been there. And I look directly at him. He threw me a rope. They pulled the, the, they pulled the raft over. And he looks at me and he goes, stand up. <laughs> and I go, no. <laughs> like, I remember this rule. I'm not going to do it. He goes, look down. I'm in this much water. Nothing's moving. <laughs> Man, we are unable to save ourselves. We're unable. From the beginning of time, sin of Adam and Eve, they started to figure out, how can I save myself from the sin? And that's been every single person's plight on earth. We're trying to say, like, how can we do this on our own? And the truth is we can. That without Jesus, we are lost. You hear us use the word around here a lot, the gospel. And I just want to explain to you really quickly what we mean when we say that. When we say gospel, we're saying this is the good news of Jesus. And the good news is this, that we have a God who made us, who loves us, who holds on to us tight. And when sin entered the world, he sent his only son, Jesus, to walk, to show us what God in flesh looks like to show us what it looks to seek and save those who are lost, to serve and not be served, to die on a cross, not for his sin, but for ours, for he was sinless. And he was buried, but he came back three days later and atoned for the sins of the world. And now he is making restoration everywhere around him where the name of Jesus is preached. And the cost of this is free that he offers it to us, his children that he loves. And so if this is something that you're trying to figure out and it just feels like all the time you just keep walking towards this place of temptation and you cannot figure out what it means to cling to Jesus in those moments, we're gonna have a prayer team that'll be around the room and they would just love to pray with you. 
and explain to you what it looks like to walk with Jesus more fully. I can promise you this, there's not a single person in this room who gets this right all the time. It's impossible. But when we open our life up to Jesus, when we walk in step with the Spirit, the Spirit will whistle at us, hey, no, hey, this way, come on, let's go. And the Spirit enters the mundane parts of our life, the parts we think nobody cares about, to lead us and to guide us in those moments. And we just saw a baptism a minute ago where new life is given, and maybe that's a decision you want to make. Don't wait. We've been practicing a, a prayer practice each week, and here's the one I have for us today. We're just going to say, we're just going to ask God to, that we're going to open up our calendar and invite God in. So tomorrow, Monday, I know, it should be a national holiday, the day of the Super tomorrow on Monday, I just want you to open up your calendar. So when you wake up, you say, good morning, God. And all throughout the day, you invite God into every single piece of your day. The mundane, the boring, the exciting. And you just say, lead. God, show me where you want me to go. Can we do this right now? Can we pray together in here and invite God into our lives in a more full way and say, lead me, not into temptation, God, but deliver me to where you would have me to go. Let's pray. God, I am thankful that it is not by my own power, by my holiness, by my just way in which a living that we're good, but God, that you offer this to us, that you give us your righteousness, that you give us your holiness. And so God, I pray for this week and especially tomorrow, God, that you just have, just just allow us, just give us the, the courage to say, God, you're, you're invited in. You're welcome into this space. From everything of what it looks like to drive to work to how do I talk to my coworkers, that God, we just allow you space to talk to us and to lead us into this time. And God, where we're scared, show us that you love us, that you're the one who wants us to have life into the full. And that other lie is always to steal, kill, and destroy. So God, we just simply say today that we trust you. You are good. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It is our deepest desire here at Plainfield Christian Church that you would experience the joy of being fully alive in Jesus. If you have any questions about our church or would like a plan to visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.